James, he talks about what I call LSD. It starts in your mind as lust. Then it becomes sin when you act upon it. Then after you act upon that sin, it leads you to death. Hello there, friend. You're listening to Jesus Smart, the podcast. This is episode 24. The belief here is that Jesus knows how life works best and the future belongs to his kingdom. You can see the show notes page for this episode at jesussmart.com. I had the opportunity to sit down with Ivan and Desiree Shores to talk about affair proofing your marriage. They're a strong kingdom couple, and I'm excited about the content of our conversation. I think you'll benefit from it. And you may know of someone who would benefit from this episode. Please pass it along. Desiree wrote, Letters to My Lover, Journey of an Adulterous Woman. It's vulnerable, gritty. It's a story of desperation, passion, infidelity, and heartbreak. But beyond that, it's a redemption tale. It's true life. It's a thirst for personal worth. And it's a quest for higher life design. You can visit Desiree's site at DesireeShores.com. That's DesireeShores.com. I would recommend that you subscribe to receive her free e-letters. And with that, you'll receive a free report that Ivan and Desiree have pieced together on avoiding adultery. You can also find Desiree on Facebook and Instagram. Well, we sat down in a coffee shop, had a great conversation. Here it is, Ivan and Desiree Shores. You're going to like this today. I am here with Ivan and Desiree Shores, and we are talking about a topic that has been raging across the planet since the planet began, since the Garden of Eden. I don't know how to affair-proof your marriage. I'm not sure that that's been a topic, how to affair-proof it, but there sure has been a theme of how to have affairs, <laughs> how to <laughs> how to express yourself sexually in any way you want to, but uh, it's 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 certainly a topic that is relevant today, and I'm I'm excited to hear about this. How are you doing, Ivan and Desiree? Oh, we're doing good. We're we're good. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Brian. Desiree has written a book which is relevant to this topic, which we'll touch on today. Tell us first, just a, give us the skinny a little bit about yourselves, Ivan and Desiree. Um, I I know them to be a great kingdom couple, but I just want you to hear a few a few things from them. Well, first of all, my name is Ivan Shores. Um, uh, I'm a flight attendant by trade, um, ordained, licensed minister. If all the titles mean anything to anyone, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I'm a I'm a husband. I'm a father. I uh, I teach a youth drum line for a baton and drum corps. Mm. Um, deputies baton, flag and drum corps. Shameless plug. Okay, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I just I, I try to help people wherever I can with whatever I can and try to teach my kids and little 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 ones that I teach, you know, mentor them as much as possible as well. Yeah, very good. And you're a musician, right? Yes. I know I'm, that. I, I'm, I'm a drummer, uh, you know, a little little bit, and I sing a little note here and there. But, uh, okay. Love music. Love All music. right, very good. Desiree, tell us about your book and a, and a little bit about your life. Uh, well, my book is titled Letters to My Lover, Journal of an Adulterous Woman. And it is pretty much my testimony. Um, This is a second marriage for both of us. Mm -hmm. And in my first marriage, when things started deteriorating and just 
there wasn't a Christ center to that marriage. And as we were falling apart, I started to entertain an office flirtation that turned into an extramarital affair um, that led to about a year of just really whatever I could do to try to hurt myself, I did. It just... um, very negative uh, behavior. Um, And then Christ swooped in in the middle of that and said, hey, I love you anyway, and kind of feel like the woman that was drug out by the crowd ready to be stoned, and God stepped in and said no. Boy, Jesus set that crowd running, didn't he? (laughs) Yes, he did. (laughs) And I've often wondered about what he wrote in the dirt there. That's got to be very interesting, what he was writing. We have no indication of what it was, but I can tell you it must have been powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. yeah, so you've been very vulnerable and transparent in your book, um, your story. Yes. And you've been very open and, you know, in writing and in authors, there's this thing about being authentic and transparent, and you've really been been that in your story, in your book. Thank you. I really felt that it was necessary. Do you find that this is like something of an iceberg under the water, that there's a lot more of these types of things happening than we know? Oh, absolutely. The book has really opened that up as well. Yeah. Um, So what kind of feedback? Give us some examples of feedback you've received from the book, people responding to you, maybe telling their stories or sharing their experience. Well, one one woman uh, reached out to me and said that... You know, she's a single mom and she had a, she's kind of in her faith walk, but yeah. um, she had someone who had reached out an old flame or whatever and was going to come by for just a nighttime, you know, call late at night. And uh, she said, come on over. And then while she's waiting on him to get there, my book popped into her mind and she said she went, picked it up read the last letter in the book, which is written to my sisters in Christ who might be struggling with how, what their worth is. And I wrote a letter to them letting them know you're worth more than a late night booty call. You're worth more than playing house. You know, God yeah. created you for so much more than this. And when he got there, she wouldn't even open the door. She said, no, you need to go. I'm worth more than this. Wow. And she, she must have been in a vulnerable state. Yes, very. Just to allow him to even come over initially. Yeah, her fiancé, they had just broken up, and it was it was a bad situation. So DesireeShores.com is the website you can go to, and the book Letters to My Lover mm-hmm. is on Amazon and yes. Barnes & Noble. It's also on Kindle as an ebook. You can go to those platforms directly, but you can also purchase it through her site. I would encourage you to go to DesireeShores.com and get on her email list. There's a downloadable report there or um, on lead us not into temptation tools to avoid the slaughterhouse of adultery. What a title. (laughs) Our theme today is how to affair proof your marriage. And we're going to get into this, but that's quite a title right there. The slaughterhouse (laughs) of adultery. (laughs) It's pretty graphic. Proverbs, man. King Solomon, he's a wise man. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. God gave him wisdom. I I was thinking about King Solomon recently. Of course, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which is sort of a dark take on at the end of a life of uh, slip sliding on the slopes there. But, but, you know, God came to him early on and asked him, what do you want? And he said, I want wisdom for the sake of your people. And God said, I really like that request. I'm going to give you everything you haven't asked for as well, like incredible wealth, you know, incredible power as a leader. And, uh, but over the course of his life, he took on many wives and they led his heart astray to other gods. And this thing of sexuality, even, even King David, guys, um, King David was a person incredibly intimate with God. He's a type of Jesus Christ, and yet there was that season in his life where 
he probably should have been out fighting with his guys, you know, but he was up on the housetop. He noticed a woman taking a bath. He was at a weak moment, and he sent for Bathsheba and committed adultery and then murder to cover it up, right? And it just shows the primal power of this issue and the, the dynamic thing of human sexuality and this thing between a man and a woman. It started in the Garden of Eden, but it is powerful, yeah, isn't it? And even in James, he talks about what I call LSD. LSD, okay. LSD. Starts in your mind as lust. Then it becomes sin when you act upon it. And then after you act upon that sin, it leads you to death. That is a great acronym. And it's addictive, like LSD. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's addictive. Yeah. It's addictive. Once you play with it in your mind long enough, you'll act on it. And when you act on it, it'll lead you to death, even if that death is separation from God or if it's a physical death. So it all starts in the mind. Like David was watching her, and he watched her long enough that he acted upon it and caused someone's death. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. He may have noticed this woman before. He knew that she was somebody's wife. One of his chief guys, what yeah. was his name? Uh, I, I, Uriah. You know, one of his chief loyal guys in the army and, and in the kingdom. And uh, he may have noticed that, you know, in spite of all the lovely wives that David had. <laughs> right. He may have noticed that this was one, one beautiful woman, but in that moment of weakness, and he was gone, and he, he sent for her. LSD, lust, the sin. acting out of sin, and then the outcome death. of sin is death. The wages yeah. of sin is always, always death. Let's dig into this. What about defining cheating? You're saying it starts in the mind, Ivan? Correct. And in the heart? Yeah, well, you know, even Jesus said in Matthew uh, 5 that, you know, if a man looks at a woman with lust in his heart, He's already committed adultery because it starts in the heart or in your mind. So when you when we define cheating, it's not just the act of having an extramarital affair of sex with someone. The acting out of it. The acting out of it. That's that's already down the line. You've already cheated before you've gotten to that point. That's what Jesus said. Right. Because he said, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, meaning the act. Exactly. But I say to you, if you look on a woman to lust for her, you've already yeah. committed adultery in your heart. Correct. And this is, Correct. you're talking about the heart level and the exactly. mind level. Yeah. Because, you know, if, if, you, if you're flirting with someone that's not your spouse, if you're, you know, what, what are you looking at? What are you feeding your spirit? What are you watching on TV or listening to, you know, music-wise, conversation-wise, jokes? All that feeds into the act of the lust in your mind, the, the cheating. So you have to be, you have to guard against that. And, and, you know, I mean, Jesus, he took, in Matthew 19, he took him back to the Garden of Eden and said, from the beginning, it's not been this way. God created them male and female. You know, what God has put together, let no man put asunder, it says right. in, in, um, in the scriptures. And um, this male-female thing is obviously the Trinity's design and this sexuality thing. Right, and right. it's a reflection, Paul says, what does Paul say in Ephesians 5, Ivan? That it's a mystery. It's a reflection of the, of the relationship between Christ and the church, right? The sacred right. romance. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful relationship that God has ordained with a man and a wife, you know. And I believe that you have to guard, you know, you adorn that which you adore. And you have to guard your treasure. So if you treasure your relationship, you have to guard that. You protect what's valuable to you. Right, and you, right. And you, yeah. So, yeah, we're in a coffee shop here, as we, as we quite often are, so that's the ambient noise here. But we, we like it that way. We like getting out in the, uh, 
where the coffee's flowing and the conversation's happening. And um, so we're, we're in a coffee shop again. So you're defining cheating as starting in the heart and the mind level, what we entertain, not only like movies and books and music and what are we taking in in terms of entertainment, but we can also entertain like thoughts or flirtations, right? Or definitely compliments from people that, you know, maybe we're in a low spot or hungry for that, right? Yeah, that, and that's, that's where, that's where the, uh, the trouble can come in is when you're in that low spot, you know, and you're, you're looking for something. And then it, it never fails, <laughs> never fails. Someone comes with a, with a compliment or a, a wink or a, hey, let's, you know, let's grab something to eat or, you know, just something that grabs your attention where you feel like you're not getting it somewhere else. You know, you really have to be careful. Like, you know, some people have work wives and work husbands, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You got to be careful with that because, <laughs> you know, no, that's not my work wife. That's my, you know, peer at work. That's my work associate. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Not my work wife. So There's power in your power in your words too. You have to be careful how you how you associate people. As sure. Well. Yeah, and that's that's definitely what happened to me. You know, I was in that low point and I was depressed. You know, it, my marriage is falling apart and I don't feel like I'm getting what I need out of that relationship. That love and my that tank wasn't being filled and. You know, that's not an excuse and it doesn't make what happened right at all. Um, But that's exactly how the enemy kind of slipped in for me. And it was a, you know, it started with a simple compliment. Has anybody told you how nice you look today? Has anybody told you that that's a really nice perfume for you? I love that fragrance. What is that? And it just built from there to, you know, I looked forward to those compliments because I wasn't getting those anywhere else. And the enemy is very strategic. Women have a desire to be beautiful, yes. right? To be delightful. To be cherished. To be cherished. Yes. To be uh, adored, mm-hmm. right? And so this wasn't happening in your marriage. No. Your first marriage. No. You were There was like a death of that or you were starving and thirsty for that and it was coming at work. Definitely. And, you know, the enemy is very strategic in his planning of our destruction. So we've learned we've got to be very strategic in our defense plan to yeah. make sure he, he doesn't, doesn't play get checkers, in. does he? He plays chess. He's <laughs> yeah. thinking like multiple moves down the line. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about this, guys. The different needs and aspirations of men and women. Um, mm-hmm. Ivan, um, yeah. What about love and respect? Uh, pink and blue. <laughs> pink and blue. I mean, what do what do men want? Tell me what men want. Well, well, first, I'm I'm gonna tell you where I where Desiree and I get that. There's a book called Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egeritz, E G G E R I C H S. Okay, and we'll and we'll drop this book in the show notes page with a link. People could buy it. You recommend this book, right? Oh, definitely. We buy it right alongside Letters to My Lover. Okay, right. go ahead. Well. Uh, like Desiree said, this is a second marriage for both of us. So we went into this not wanting to repeat mistakes. So we read this book together, and I, I always, well, yeah, we read it twice, actually. I, I, I recommend that um, couples read and study together because, you know, it's nice to do things individually, but if you're working on together, you should do it together. You're growing together. That way you can talk about it and you know where each one's coming from. But um, the, the pink and blue, um, the love and respect book uh, talks about in Ephesians 5 where God, you know, he commands women to respect their husbands and he commands men to love their wives because that's a foreign language to each of them. Men demand respect. 
You know, I, I've had my dad tell me, you know, I don't care if you like me, but you're going to respect me. <laughs> you know, and, and women, they, they, they love. They love. They want to be loved. They know how to give love. They're nurturers. They'll, they'll love somebody that's beaten them, you know, but they'll love them because they see the good in them somewhere. You know, so they, God had to command women to respect men because that's what men crave. And he had to command men to love women because that's what women crave. Now, the pink and blue, men are very cut and dry. Give, give me the bottom line. They're fix it. Give me the problem. I'll show you how to fix it. Yeah. Blue, blue, blue. Women are pink. They're emotional. They want to give you the details. And this is how it affected me. This is why I feel this way. And a lot of times that clashes. Men are looking for, all right, what's the problem so I can fix it? And women are like, I don't want you to fix it. I want you to listen to me, and I want, to, I want you to validate my feelings. So it doesn't work out too well when you come out no. with your fix-it solution too quick, right? Right. So <laughs> the, the pink and blue, we've come up with our own color, purple. Purple. We always strive for purple, pink and blue. We, we even come to conversations with the mindset of, all right, babe, I'm very blue. Just give me the bottom line. We'll talk about the other stuff later. Or she'll tell me, I'm hot pink lava. I'm about to explode all over the place. So just this is how it's coming at you. So I know it's not a personal attack at me. Yeah. She's just feeling emotional. So I'll just take whatever she's got and it's not directed at me. I can deal with that. Or I'll tell her I'm midnight blue. <laughs> just, just, just give me the, the, the I got deal, solutions deal. coming out of my ears, yeah, man. Just, just, I need the bottom line. How are we paying for this? What do you need? Blah, blah, blah. And then we'll go back and then we'll discuss it in a way where, or we'll even say, I need to come back to this later. We just need to come back to this later because neither one of us are in a place where we can discuss this, where the other can hear it. We'll just breathe, walk away, and yeah, come back. Sometimes a, and then discuss it. Sometimes of, a good night's sleep, right? You know, pointing yeah. and yelling and crying. Yeah, so the goal is to get the lavender, right? Exactly. That's always the goal. And so always you've, goal. you've read always. this, you have this common understanding of this, of this kind of a dynamic, this structure, pink and blue. That's helpful in and of itself. Definitely. Do you know how many couples don't have that understanding? Well, you know, we had And just languish on? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. my and, goodness. And that bitterness sets in. Those yeah. little foxes that kill the vines of your relationship. You know, we, 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 had to, we had to develop this because of my job. I'm gone four or five days a week sometimes. And talking on the phone and texting, um, you know, you start reading emotion into, into text messages. They're just words on the screen, but you're reading your emotions and what you think they're thinking into the words. So we had to learn to discuss and talk. And then, you know, even when we talk on the phone, we talk about, all right, this is why I feel the way I feel. This is what I need. No, I didn't mean it that way. So let's, let's talk about it. So then we had to come to the, to the point in our relationship where I know her heart is not to hurt me. And, I, and she knows my heart is not to hurt her. So how I took it is not how she meant it. So let's talk about it. So when lavender is the color of your relationship, you enjoy it more, don't you? Absolutely. Can I just say, <laughs> I, bet you, I bet your sex is better. I, yes. I bet your everyday life is better. Yes. You know, I just bet you enjoy each other more and have fun together. Oh, yeah. When, when I've noticed when Ivan and I are not getting along, it's like the whole world is wrong. You know, something is off. It doesn't matter if everything else is going smoothly, quote unquote. But if we're not in a place of understanding because we've had a disagreement or something, then everything else is off. You know, yeah, I why, can't enjoy why is that? anything. Penny and I have noticed that in graphic <laughs> uh, relief as well. Why is that? Because we're one body now, you know. Um, you're, of, you're, you're of one flesh is what yes, the scripture exactly. says. And so God has designed it 
such that if that's somehow tearing or strained or discombobulated in any way, right? Exactly. It doesn't matter what's, what's going on. God instituted marriage. He created it. And I believe that any couple, even if they're not aware of God in their marriage at that point, when they stand up there and they say their vows and they commit to one another, they're walking into his creation and his institution regardless. And at that point, he's taking that thread and he's taking two whole people and he's creating one flesh out Mm -hmm. of them. And when we start arguing and pulling away from each other, trying to go in our own directions, we pull on that. We pull on that thread that, you know, that God's used to... And it grieves, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It does, absolutely. There's a scripture that says a cord of three strands is not quickly broken, right? And I right. think that third strand is, not to get weird about it, but it is somehow God is in the relationship. He's in the mix, and he does become grieved. The Holy Spirit will become grieved if, we're, if we start being jerks about it, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, God's even given the illustration of marriage is the same as the church with God, you know, with Jesus. It's Jesus and the body of Christ. That's that's a marriage, his bride and the bridegroom. And so when the church pulls away from Jesus, that's going to grieve him and it's going to hurt him. So we are an example in our marriages of that union. Yeah. So the same well, thing's going to happen. Absolutely. Let's, let's talk about that. Ephesians 5, Paul clearly says that the marriage relationship, the real mystery behind it, he says, is Christ and his people, the church. Right. Is it any wonder that marriage is under assault today? Is there any wonder why we're tempted or, you know, why, if we're not careful, the little foxes can come in and try to just eat away at it? It's actually a reflection of something much bigger, something much more beautiful. There's some kind of a mystical earth reflection of it, right? Yeah, I mean, at the risk of sounding deep. But you know, whatever. Uh, you let's know, get deep. Let's, let's 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 dive in. You know, Satan hates the church, and Satan hates God. So he'll do whatever he can to destroy what God loves. And he started in the Garden of Eden. He started with something small with Eve. He started with something small with Adam. He starts with something small in marriage, because marriage, the family, is also the cornerstone of the church. And the community. Yep. So he starts with something small, the small foxes, to nibble away at the vine to cause enmity between a husband and wife, parents and children, church body, the church and the pastors. There's a lot of churches splitting. Um, The church and the community. You take you take the kingdom out of the world, and the world will fall apart. You take that salt and light light away, exactly. And uh, I mean, all hell's going to break loose when exactly. that happens. Yeah. So it's like you said; it's no wonder that the enemy is really attacking marriages. Yeah. Because when you don't have a strong marriage, a strong relationship, which also mirrors Christ in the church. Yes. There's no relationship with Christ in the church because you're so focused on everything else. You don't take time for God. Yeah, it, it clearly is a mere, a, a mere reflection of the covenant relationship between Christ and his people. There's a mystical, intangible connection there. Read Ephesians yeah, 5. Definitely. Where Paul's talking about marriage, like you, you referenced, you know, mm-hmm. wives respect your husbands. Husbands, lay down your lives for your wife and love them like Christ loved the church. Exactly. And yet he ends that passage by saying, I'm talking about marriage here, but really the greater mystery is Christ and his people. Right of which this is a reflection, you see. 
So there's incredible opportunity in marriage, incredible beauty, incredible heights to which it can be attained if we will um, uh, get, our, get our act together, get our head together. Right. Now, what, ab- what about communication? How important is that as an element of a fair-proofing your, your relationship? Communication is probably one of the chief cornerstones <laughs> of a relationship. Okay. Um, as far as like with us, with, with my job, we, we had to establish trust because I'm gone and she doesn't know what I'm doing. You're traveling. When yeah. I'm gone in different cities, countries. And at the same time, I don't know what she's doing at home without me. So, you know, and the enemy will really talk to you in situations like that. You know, who she got over to the house? Why isn't she answering the phone? And he'll talk to her the same way. You know, who's he, who's he out with out there, you know, on the beach or whatever? So communicating, hey, I'm going, I'm just going to lunch with the crew. I'll be back in such and such a time. Or, or she'll tell me what she's doing with the kids or she's going out or, you know, just establishing a, uh, our own language, if you will. Okay. Like if we're out and, and her, her shirt's coming up, I'll, I'll give her a cold word and she knows, hey, cover down, you know, cover that up. <laughs> or, or if I've got something hanging out my nose, you know, little <laughs> things that are cute, but, but they mean a lot because we have our own language. We talk, we trust. You know, with so it's those little things all the way up to the big ones, right? The exactly. Big tough issues. Wow. <laughs> you know, and, and that goes also into us talking about the tough things. Yeah. How tough do you how how tough do you talk? Well, we talk. Oh, we 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 real how tough. How tough does it get? I mean, it gets it gets battle weary tough sometimes. You know, like talking what? About, like talking about what, that trust. Let's unpack we, that a bit. What do you we, talk we about? We had to we had to come to a point where you know, from my previous marriage and even from my youth, um, I was addicted to pornography, mm-hmm. and I didn't see a problem with it. If it was in my relationship, because, hey, that's what guys do. And, and if she's okay with it, hey, that's even better, right? But that's not what the Bible says. And, you know, so I, I'm, I'm talking to my wife here now. <clears throat> she's my wife. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> when we were married, um, when we were dating, rather, right before we got married, that became a problem. And it became such a problem that I went to seek help and counseling okay. to realize, okay, that's, that's not normal for a man of God. That's not normal for the kingdom of God. So let's do something about that. So I had to reassure her that it wasn't because she's not enough. It's because I have a problem that I look at other things. And it's not because she's lacking anything in any area of our marriage. We weren't lacking in any area of our marriage. Mm -hmm. Amen. But I had a problem. So as I was seeking counsel, one of the things that I was told was make my wife my number one accountability partner. This is the same woman that was like, you know, had claws out and fangs bared every time the, the idea of thought came around, you know, we, we'd argue. So the tough thing was calling or texting her when I felt weak, when I felt like I wanted to look at something or someone walking by. So now we're at a point where if that comes upon me, because I'm human, I'm, I'm just a man. If I want to look at something or I feel the need or the desire... I'll send her a text with one word, and that word is pray. And they've even got these new emojis with praying hands, which is even better. I can just shoot her that picture. <laughs> and I know she's going she's gonna to pray and cover me without judgment and without even asking why I'm asking her to pray. Because she now trusts me enough to be weak in front of her. Yeah. How does that make you feel, Desiree, when you, when you get that, that pray? Do you, do you like that? 
Well, now I do. Now you do. I, I mean, I, you feel that that's a, like a trust issue and he's being transparent and authentic with you? Yeah, I mean, it took us eight years to get to that point. Um, <laughs> in the beginning, I was fangs bared, as he said, and I would get angry. And then I realized that yelling at him, screaming at him, shaming him wasn't going to help him. And if I wanted to be able to trust him, I had to also be trustworthy. He had to be able to come to me with his weakness. He had to be able to be honest because he's going to run and hide if I'm shaming him and disrespecting him over his struggle. So at first, you know, it would hurt when I would get that text, please pray. You know, we made the agreement. You come to me and I won't attack you. I will pray for you, but you got to give me the chance to know that there's a problem in the moment to go and intercede for you. And it was hard at first, you know, I'd intercede and then I'd, I'd be doing it with tears running down my cheeks and it would hurt. It would, you know, assault my self-confidence as a woman and as his wife. But now when I get it, it's, I get mad at the enemy. I get mad at the devil. Like, no, you need get to back up away at, from my husband. At the adversary, yeah. Yeah, you're not attacking my marriage today. So, and I'm proud of him. And are there similar things you do? Do you communicate with Ivan? Like, pray for me about this. I mean, the issue may be different, but... Is, yeah. there, is there a similar transparency like that or vulnerability? I don't have that same kind of struggle, but yeah. definitely if, you know, wherever my weaknesses lie that may even be outside of, you know, the subject of sexuality or anything dealing with it, absolutely. He knows, I'll tell him when I'm having a rough day or if I'm dealing with, um, you know, I have the tendency in my natural self to jump to worst case scenario every time. So when I feel myself going to that place, you know, that's when I'll let him know, Hey, I need you to pray. Cause I'm, I'm all the way at the destruction of the world right now is where I'm going, uh, you, know, gone, over, you know, stubbing my toe or, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, that's something that small, but it started with a broken <laughs> coffee cup and now it's Armageddon, right? Yes, like, exactly. You know? you know, the kids aren't listening and you know, that's it. Jesus is coming back today. So, um, but that's, that's kind of, you know, we, we know how to, to bring each other back down and how to lift each other up as yeah. well when we need to. Yeah, we cover each sure, other. Sure, you cover. And, and I, I think there's, if I, if I could interject, something very powerful when a husband and a wife pr- pray for each other about whatever it is. I don't Absolutely. know that there's any more powerful prayer partner. If a couple can get to that level of praying for each other like that, yes. not just casually, but like sort of like really professional prayer partners, you know, Absolutely. in life together. And it's intimate as well. It is. Because if I know what his struggle is and I know, that means I know the enemy's strategy. I know if I know his weakness and the enemy knows his weakness and as the enemy's trying to come in and assault him in that place, I can be standing there, you know, armed in the full armor of God with the Holy Spirit right there with me, standing guard and protecting him, you know, when he's feeling weak and the enemy's not going to get through. And, you know, yeah. as the saying is, not today, Satan. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we want others to pray for us, like in the body of Christ, to have, like Ivan, you have a, a prayer partner in the church, maybe, or something, a fellow, a fellow guy, a fellow believer. But when your wife is praying over you about something, I mean, I, I think it goes to another level with God. And I, and I, and I think does. there's prayer power there and vice versa. The husband praying for the yeah, wife, and that's that's another key to uh, fair proofing your marriage, is um, is praying for each other and praying, praying together. Over. Let's and, talk yeah. about that. Praying for each other and well, and uh, developing a word life together, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, it, and it wasn't easy. Again, this, all these things take time and practice. Um, there was a time Desiree would not pray in front of me for anything. She would not, even if we were, if we, <laughs> if we were, uh, if I was on the road and we would pray over the phone. 
she would mute her side of the phone <laughs> to pray while I'm on the phone. I wouldn't that's, hear anything but silence. That until, is not too uncommon for couples yeah, beginning yeah, to pray you know, in front of each other. It's, but that's, you know that's something. It, 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 takes, it takes practice. As a matter of fact, there were times I'd pray over her while she was asleep. We'd be in bed, and she, she's sleeping, and I'd pray over her while she was asleep. What I didn't know is half the time she was pl- playing possum over there listening. But, um, <laughs> you know, b- but we did that enough to where... Uh, now she doesn't You're have a problem. You're comfortable. You've yeah, broken through. And yeah. You know, the, when I really knew, she had it. And it really, like, shifted our marriage. Uh, she came home one day. She walks in the kitchen. I'm in the kitchen. And she just walks up to me and just starts praying over me. And I've never really heard her pray, pray. You know, and it was like, oh, oh wow. Oh, she's calling down heaven. Hold on. Let me stop. I'm going to put the dishes down. And okay, and she, a door wide open, car. I think she, I, I don't even think she turned off the car. She just walked in the house and just started praying over wow. me. And I'm like, yeah. okay, something going on. Just the fact that she's praying, I knew something was going on. But, you know, it, it shifted us, you know. And to know that she's got my back, you know, that's, that's my ride or die, you know. Mm, you know, yeah. I, I know she's got my back regardless. And she knows I'm, I'm going to cover her regardless. But, again, it takes time. You got to start somewhere and you got to do it. Yeah. Now, what about the word? Are, are you, do, you, do you have a commonality in the word? together as like reading together or studying or reading books together oh yes we read a lot of books together and usually that involves me reading it aloud because he's on the road and i'll read it over the phone so we can keep up with what we're reading um but we will uh you know we read a lot of books together we study the word together um we definitely learned that practice when we were going to house of praise bible college together Mm -hmm. um we started learning to take the same classes because of his work schedule it made it easier if he was on the road i could take the notes and then we learned to study it together and it was a great practice for us and it came at a time we really needed it right yes yeah so we we know how to practice the word together and if we're studying something separately on our own, you know, our own devotionals with God, we know how to come together and talk about it and, you know, just kind of sometimes get lost in the word together. There's been times where we'll start with a simple Bible study and it's hours later, you know, that we've just gotten lost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, you're drawing down the thoughts of God into your relationship, into your common thinking and your common words together, your your communication. Parenting, everything, you know. I mean, to mix the, the expressed thoughts of God via his word into your everyday life mm-hmm. and your relationship and everyday living is, is powerful. Now, you, you guys strike me as a couple that is on mission together. You know, not all couples are necessarily what we would call missional couples. But can I say I think the, the archetype or the seed form of what a marriage is to be, it, that it is to be missional? And where I get this from is the Garden of Eden. I mean, the, the dude was alone. I have been right for a while, and it wasn't good. And God said, I'm going to make a marriage partner for him that's corresponding or suitable to him. Together, they're going to be under this mandate of filling the earth, subduing it, cultivating the garden, you know, drawing out the latent potential of the garden. And so that's, that's a missional couple. But I think that missional couples also become a bit more in terms of targets of the adversary as they're emerging in that because Satan realizes the potential of it, the threat of of a missional couple that's in the word together, praying together and actually doing things on purpose, on mission together. Do you have any thoughts on that aspect of things? Uh, Do you see yourselves as an emerging missional couple? I don't, I don't, I don't just mean missions proper by mission. I mean, whatever the assignment is, whatever the calling is, it's not just that we're married and, and living together and have a house and kids, but we're actually 
doing some kingdom contribution as well together. Absolutely. Um, we, we've had that spoken over us since before we were married. Um, and it took some time to see it, you know, but we are starting to see that both in the literal missions term where we've recently went on a missions trip together and we're able to teach at that. And we've taught at some marriage conferences. Um, and it's usually not the happy-go-lucky marriages that we sit down and we counsel. Oh, this is how you talk to one another and you remember date night and all those things are important, but it's getting into the nitty gritty. The couples we sit with are usually the ones that are struggling. They're the ones who Some type of crisis are where point. we've been. Yeah. Yes. And getting them to a point where they know how to talk to one another and be transparent and forgive one another and show mercy yeah. um, is definitely um, where we keep finding ourselves. And as far as being targets, um, yeah, <laughs> we definitely, we get targeted. Um, but I think anybody who's really about the father's business is going to feel that yeah. target on them. Do you feel you're increasing in your awareness and your, in your kingdom skills to deal with those, those uh, increased fiery darts, maybe? Oh, definitely. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, to the point where, you know, we can see it coming from afar off. Okay. You know, and it's like, oh, man, we're about, something's about to happen. So let's start praying. You yeah. Know, you know, we, we're like, oh, this is going great. That's going great or whatever. And, oh, we, we're planning to do something. It's like, you know what? Let's start fasting and praying now because we like know what's that. coming. So like prayer casting or yeah. forecasting yeah. or Definitely. seeing things further out and yeah. instead of waiting until it's up on you, mauling you in your face, right? Definitely. And, and, it's, and it's also very important to be sensitive to the move of the Holy Spirit. So there are times when we're going places and I'm like, you know what, we're going this way today. And I won't know why until we get in route and oh, wow, if we'd have gone the other way, we'd have missed this. Okay. Or we'd have missed this person or, or I'll, I'll feel an urging. We need to fast this week. I'm not sure why, but we're yeah. fasting. We don't have to know why, do we? No, no. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, but the thing is, we, God blesses obedience. Uh, immediate obedience. Obedience. This is something that the Scots just talked about, whom you guys got to meet, Willie and Rachel Scott. But the Lord's really dealing with them deeply about immediate mm -hmm. promptings, immediate obedience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a training ground, too. You know, just that sure it immediate is. obedience. It may not be because something's about to happen, but it's... God training us as well because because when the big things come. Now, do you as a couple, do you intentionally um, uh, plan together? Do you like, I love horizon thinking or over the horizon spiritual awareness, this idea of forecasting or prayer casting, getting out in front of situations. Do you have times where you intentionally do that, uh, get together like a planning session or Maybe a prayer session where you where you look at longer range issues. Oh yeah, I'm a planner and an organizer all day, a list maker. Um, so I will look out at the horizon of something we know we have coming, and you know, go through all the logistics, if you will, make our lists, make our plans, and then it's time for us to put that to prayer. Pray over it. Yes, absolutely. And, and um, I mean, like John Eldridge writes that even like a family vacation needs to be prayed for in advance. Yes. Because the enemy hates anything that's beautiful, refreshing, recreative, a memory. He hates it. And so if you're not careful, you can like go into a, a, a field of landmines if, if it's not prayed over enough and planned for, you know. Um, Absolutely. I, I love the idea of David, the slinger. I, I did a little bit of research lately, uh, Ivan. Uh, there were slingers in ancient warfare. And these guys, like, like David was a slinger, you know, killed okay. Goliath with, a, with an object, a projectile. It was a stone. 
they could kill people from 200 yards. Oh, wow. Skilled slingers in ancient warfare. And um, I like the idea of being able to see something on the horizon and in prayer and in worship and in prophetic and, you know, in logistic planning, be able to hit that thing in advance instead of waiting until it's right up on us. Definitely. Like a sniper almost. Yeah, sniper. Aggressive, man. And and, um, get that scope out in prayer, you know. So what about boundaries? Is this an important area? Who, who's written about boundaries? Is it John Townsend? or No, Dr. Henry Cloud has a lot of books about boundaries, healthy mm-hmm. boundaries in work, marriage, et cetera. Well, boundaries are, are important, you know. Um, it's just like playing football. You just you know where to play. You know where you can have fun. You know where not to go, where the danger is. So for us, certain boundaries are, you know, the conversation we have with members of the opposite sex. You know, I know I can only talk, like, especially if I'm at work, I talk about business. I talk about work. We don't get too involved in their relationship or, or what's going on. And I don't share if I'm having problems with my wife. That's, you stay I, more, what, professional, more discretionary yeah. in your topic? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. And um, um, what, what else? Oh, yeah, ministering. You, you minister to, to the same gender, you know. So if you're entering into like some really prayer with a person, which can be an intimate exchange of spirit right. and, and ideas and emotions. You know, if, uh, and, if it's a, it and if it's an issue where gender, even, even if I'm at church and someone comes to me for prayer and it's a, if it's a woman, I will find another woman pull them in to pull them into that. Even if they're not listening, I, I want a witness. You know, yeah. I want someone there um, to one protect me and to protect that person because anything can be said by anyone at any time. But you want to witness. You want to keep everything above board and keep everybody, I hate to say keep everybody honest, but you, you got to because you don't know everyone's motives. Give the enemy a foothold as well because if you're counseling somebody on something that, if they're asking for prayer, it's obviously something that's a sensitive subject to them. And you might say something that touches them emotionally and you feel that connection and that bond. And even if you don't mean anything by it and you walk away, that person they could... They could be in such a state that, yeah, yeah they take it. Yeah, they could it. develop a very unhealthy connection to sure. you that you're not even aware of. And so to protect all parties involved, it's important. Like with counseling, I mean, I've been involved in ministry, like open door policies or pulling another lady in if it's a male that's counseling, you know, with, yeah. with that... This is not to sound legalistic or like we're so weak that we can't, you know, this is just integrity across the board with other people because you never know what they may be thinking or feeling as well. And you have to protect your witness as well, because it could be something as simple as you and I meeting here, just the two of us to discuss, you know, my book and changes we're making. But someone else could be walking by that may not have a Christ minded you know, way of thinking, and they see the two of us sitting here without your wife or my husband, and, oh, the rumor mill could start running, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, don't let your good be spoken yeah. evil of. And avoid so. every appearance of evil is, 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 is another verse. There's, you know, sort of this bigger meta, meta idea over all of this, and that is have a marriage that is so fascinating and so intoxicating, you know, like... Like the writer in Proverbs says, you know, be intoxicated with your wife. It means, well, it means to be drunk, man. It means yeah. to be, like, high. Yeah. Like, yeah. Stay, stay so high on her that everything else looks like junk to you in terms of what marriage yeah. is yeah. to you, right? Right. So, I mean, it, it, have, a, have a, a marriage that is so, um, you know, spectacular spiritually, emotionally, mentally, playfulness, you know, sexuality uh, in every layer that 
it becomes a big old antidote, right? Exactly. You're not hungry for something else, <laughs> you, you know? And that sounds like a lot of work, but it can be fun. You can have it, fun. It can it be fun. It doesn't have yeah, to be all is, serious. It, it, it should be fun. I believe oh, that yeah. if God created marriage, he created it to be delightful. Yes. And to be fun. And um, so that should sort of be a big meta idea over everything. Cultivate, work at and cultivate and release a beautiful marriage that you're really enjoying and seeing a lot of fruitfulness in. And that is a massive antidote to uh, affairs. Yes. Affairs are just such cheap substitutes. Absolutely. Let's just be honest. They're cheap substitutes for the real deal. I said they're expensive. They cost you a whole lot, and you don't get... Oh, they cost you, you don't in get so many ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there's no peace on it. No. There's no uh, sense of real fulfillment on it. It's a cheap, no. titillating thrill, yep. sexually it's, and maybe otherwise, you know, it's, in, a, it's in a sense. But Cherishing what you have and who you have. And putting those boundaries up and, you know, filling it with the word of God and, 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 and prayer and communication. And when, you know, your spouse should be your best friend. Have fun. I mean, I mean, oh, we have inside jokes. We'll talk about things with a look, you know. Uh, uh, what, what about adventures? I mean, flat out adventures that you're pursuing or want to pursue. Oh, I, I tell you what, going to Cambodia is an adventure. You guys, you guys have been to Cambodia together, <laughs> and, to I, Cambodia, and I know you aspire to continue to have input into that country, right, oh, together oh, in missions. You know, and there's, there's things we want to do out there, and, but, you know, even taking road trips together. You know, sometimes the kid, our children are at the age, we've got three boys. One will be a freshman in college this year, one's going in the eighth grade, one's going in the seventh grade. But they're old enough, we can leave them at home now. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, I'm oh, I smelling love that. freedom. I smell it on the corner. <laughs> but you know, there's times when, hey, let's let's just drive to the lake and walk around. Let's 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 go as far as we can on half a tank of gas, make sure we can get home. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know. Hey, uh, wow, man. tell the kids, uh, we'll we'll be back. How often should a couple get away? Once a week? <laughs> well, you know, is is it's, yeah, not, yeah. It's, off, it's often as you can, uh, as long as, as, often as you can do it. As long as often as you, <laughs> you know? can do it. Man, maybe try to do it at least once a quarter is my advice. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. At least once a quarter. Once a month once, if you once can a, swing once it. Once a season, you know, fall, yeah, spring, winter. You know, and, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll just get a hotel room. It, it might be in the same city, but it's not at our house, and we don't have to clean up anything. That's great. <laughs> what about creating a vision board together, like putting pictures up on a vision board and maybe things you're praying over or envisioning? that you want to do, create it as a visual in your home. I know it's a little sidebar, but what do you think of that? No, absolutely. We actually have a prayer room in our house. It's dedicated to just that. There's pictures on the wall of family members that we're praying for, situations. We've got pin marks on a big map on the wall of places and areas that we're praying for in the world. Um, And we have the vision board, and I have a list. Ivan looks at me like I'm crazy sometimes of all the adventures that when the kids are all grown up that we're going to take and the places we're going to go. She wants the insurance check. (laughs) What was that? I missed that. I said she wants the insurance check. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. That's what he thinks. I'm looking at adventure. I'm looking at seeing Well, like skydiving or cliff climbing or what? Okay. (laughs) All over. Yeah, there's just so many beautiful places in this world that God created that I want to see them all, and I want to see them with my husband and make yeah, an I think impact. Yeah, I, th- I think it's good way. to have those edges and those horizons out there for yeah. a couple to be aspiring to and, and have a preferred future. Yes. We're happy now, we're fulfilled and content now, but there's always a sense of vision and preferred future 
I love a chapter comes to mind right now in Psalm 16 where David says, the lines or the boundaries have fallen to me in beautiful places. Mm-hmm. You know, my heritage is beautiful to me. And there was this sense, you know, you're talking about, you know, borders and, and lines of inheritance. And there's a sense in which that needs to be beautiful to us. You know, yeah. our, our lives together need to be beautiful. We can't be looking through a screen at something else and being duped with some deception about some other life or, you know, yeah. um, Come on. Not when we can get out there and experience it for ourselves. Get out there. Get off the screen and get yeah. out there in analog world where the where the real stuff happens. Yep. Get off the couch and go do something. And, you know, the, the adventure and, yeah, just us taking prayer walks together or just going on a hike or things like that, you know. It, it can be an adventure if you make it one, you know. Even something simple in your local park. When you don't have the funds to go somewhere else, you can make it an adventure. You can enjoy one another. One, one thing that we'll do once in a while is we'll literally just walk around the block and we'll pray and we'll talk. But the, the adventure in that is you see things on your own block that you drive past every day. You know, you, you'll see a certain house or you'll see a kids playing in the back or people with, uh, with pets you know, and things that you just miss, and there's like beauty next door that you miss all the time. Yeah. Right around the block where you drive past and don't give a second thought to, there's people around, you will wave and fall into a conversation. There's a lady that walks her dog around, and says, what is it, a, a pit bull? And this dog loves my wife, loves her. This dog will lay in the ground, let her pet, pet her belly and everything. <laughs> And, and I'm like, um, when I see this lady walk her dog, I wave and I go inside because I see this big old dog, <laughs> you know. But it's, you know, those little things, you know, I'm out there with my wife and this dog comes and I'm ready, you know, grab a knife. You know, here comes a dog and my wife's playing with the dog. I'm like, what is this? You know, but now that's an adventure that we share. Oh, this is my dog, my wife's other dog, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so it starts, it starts really tight at, at your house, really local, very small. Yeah. And yeah. It, 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 it extends out to the world. Yeah, just start, start, you start at home. And then branch out. I mean, I mean, the mandate for uh, Adam and Eve was to extend the garden through their descendants, but to extend the garden all over the world, exercise dominion and, and reach out from where you're at. Cultivate where you're at, but this dominion and this, this ruling is to extend across the planet yeah. the knowledge of the glory of the Lord extending across the earth. Um, wow. There's so much potential in marriage. It's so worth protecting. It's such a reflection of, of the grand story that Christ is telling, the, the, the sacred romance between Jesus and the, and the church. And um, we get to be a reflection of that. It's incredible. Why let it be stolen, right? Why not protect it? Why not affair proof it, you know? Wow. I appreciate you guys. Do you have any concluding comments? Of course get she's it all looking out. at me. Don't, leave it all on the table. Leave it on the table. One thing um, that, that we definitely do every day is practice forgiveness Yes. every day. You know, we can all be selfish. Uh, we can get for, forgetful and insensitive in our own ways. And we have to remember that your spouse's heart is not to hurt you. So I forgive you, even if you don't know that I'm forgiving you. But it, forgiveness is for yourself. So if I'm forgiving her daily for things that... I feel slighted for little slight offenses, or little thing, you know, little things perceived like perceived rights, <laughs> le- le- leaving the, you know, the cap off the toothpaste, you know, leaving the toilet seat up, 
you know, those are, those are, those are little I offenses. I think that's your issue, isn't it? But the you know what? Seat. I always leave the seat down, so my mama trained me okay. really well. Uh, my boys, that's another story. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but it's those little things, it's those, those little foxes that will eat away, that will cause it's just bitterness. Not worth it. Much of it's just it's, not it's, worth it's even not talking worth about. It's, it's really not. You yeah. know, even when we fold clothes, we fold clothes differently. She knows certain things I'll refold after she folds them. But she, she doesn't take a slight to that. But she can always tell when I fold clothes because I fold her clothes my way. She's like, well, he folded them. So sort of like okay. a military yeah. edge to yeah. it, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it could be that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we forgive each other. And then we walk in that forgiveness. It's easier to just flow together. Yeah. And when we forgive the little things, it makes it so much easier to forgive when something big happens. Yeah. When toes get stepped on in a real way or somebody forgets something big or whatever it may be, the disagreement comes because it happens to all of us, to the best of us. Um, But in those moments when we've learned how to practice and live a lifestyle of forgiving one another, it's easier to say, okay. Is there like a momentum to it? Do you feel? Yeah. Yeah. You can say, you know, it's I really know you a stance didn't of generosity. That. You know, mm-hmm. to, to forgive means to give. Yeah. You know that verse in Luke six thirty eight that says, "Give and it will be given to you." A good measure, yes. pressed down. We use it a lot in offertories sometimes in churches. But have you read the verses before and after that verse? It's all about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not even. T- I mean, there's. No, I'm talking about money. I mean, it, it, it applies <laughs> to money, but there's no talk there about money. Yeah. It, it, it's it's about just being generous and forgiving and forbearing and. Somebody yeah. asks you to go one mile, go with them two. It's, it's, it's just a stance of generosity. Yes. And if we're, we certainly should be generous in our marriages, right? Absolutely. Yeah. God, God smiles on that. He'll come down and rest on it and uh, release all the potential of it if we're generous. Don't be poverty mindset in marriage. That's what unforgiveness is, poverty mindset. Keep Appreciate it, you guys. Keep that kingdom mindset in your That's marriage. That's right. And you'll be rewarded for it. I mean, you can claim Luke 6.38 then. Mm-hmm. Give and it'll be given to you. Good Absolutely. measure, pressed down, shaken together. It'll pour into your lap. Uh, so DesireeShores.com. Check out the <clears throat> controversial book, Letters to My Lover. It's made some waves. And so you're going to want to check it out. Amazon.com. You can get it through our website at DesireeShores.com. Now, what about social media handles? Uh, how can people reach out to you through social um, I have a Facebook and uh, Instagram accounts, both uh, Desiree Shores, just author pages. Desiree is D-E-S-A-R-A-Y. Desiree Shores, both on Instagram and Facebook? Yes. Okay, very good. And you have that email list. I know you send out email newsletters from time to time or e-letters. You want to get on that, stay connected. Uh, I need to introduce you to some to Willie and Rachel Scott. I think you're going to love them. There's probably a lot Looking of overlap and synergy with what they're doing, what they're pursuing. Ivan, would you pray for us? Pray for the listeners. Pray that we would have marriages that are worthy of uh, what Jesus designed it for, okay? It be my pleasure. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the institution of marriage. We thank you for relationship. We thank you for a relation with you. Lord, we pray for every married couple and every couple about to be married. Lord God, that they would find you in their relationship, that they would find trust in each other, communication with each other, that they would guard what is so precious, Lord God, and keep it near and dear to their hearts. We thank you, Lord, for giving us an instruction manual. 
your word on how to be married and how to have a fruitful and successful marriage. Mm -hmm. Bless every listener, Lord God, that they find something, Lord God, that would prick their heart, Lord God, that they would find some deliverance, Lord God, and that strained marriages will come together, that that wherever there's a seed of bitterness, Lord God, we root it out, we place it with your godly love, your wisdom and strategy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Appreciate you guys. Go, uh, go cultivate a beautiful marriage. All right. Bye-bye. Jesus knows how things work best, my friend, including relationships and marriage. And think of the potential. The Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament that marriage is a reflection of the sacred romance between Christ and his people. There's something much larger at play here, something behind every marriage. Share this episode with a friend. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, YouTube. You can also uh, download or stream these episodes directly from JesusSmart.com. Hey, thanks, Ivan and Desiree. You're a kingdom couple. Keep going. Visit DesireeShores.com. Look her up on Facebook and Instagram too. And friend, thanks for rating, reviewing, and following this podcast. It helps others discover the content to see if it's a good fit. Plus, it keeps you connected. And here's a great idea. Grab a screenshot of this episode and share it on social media. Tag it with Jesus Smart. Tag it with marriage, affairs. Tag it with sex. Tag it with best sex. Let your imagination go wild and just send it out there into the wilds of the internet. See what happens. Okay. Visit JesusSmart.com to see the show notes page for this episode. You can leave any thoughts or questions there. You can also use the contact page to contact me directly. Check out the next episode in several days. It's going to be episode 25. It's part six in a mini-sode series that I'm calling Apostolic Christ Following. It's bite-sized, but I'm excited about the edges we're pursuing here. I challenge you to check it out. As always, with Jesus, our horizon is brilliant. It's smart. It's powerful. Make it a smart week. All the best until next time. Yeah.